Good evening from the pumpkin patch and welcome to the Jack-O-Lantern Press Podcast where we discuss monsters and Halloween. My name is Michael Piccarella. And I'm Tom Piccarella. Tonight's bonus episode, Storm Area 51. In this episode, we will be talking to Matt Douglas of Nightmare365.com and the Nightmare365 podcast about Area 51 and the recent chatter all across social media about people getting together, I guess, and uh, storming the gates to finally get proof um, that behind Area 51, they have aliens, extraterrestrial equipment, intelligence from another world. Uh, and obviously, yeah, obviously the goal is to uh, to take home a souvenir. But uh, Matt, <laughs> yeah. um, he is an expert on the subject. Uh, on the Nightmare 365 podcast, he and his brother Greg cover the weird, the eerie, and the strange. Everything from Bigfoot and ghosts to conspiracies and extraterrestrial life. In their most recent episode, number 55, which they posted on July 28th, they talked about Area 51, otherwise known as Homie Airport or Groom Lake, which is a highly classified U.S. Air Force test and training facility located in Lincoln County, Nevada, which is about 83 miles north-northwest of uh, Las Vegas. So what do you think, Tom? We've been doing Tom, a bunch Tom. of uh, research on Area 51, Bob Lazar, the Joe Rogan podcast, and anything we could find on Storm uh, Area 51. Are you excited to talk to Matt? Yeah, I'm excited to talk to Matt. I mean, I've listened to all his podcasts and, well, him and his brother, Greg. And uh, I will say that they have a ton of information. So today we're basically going to just interview Matt and and make sure, you know, or, or get his opinion. And then we're going to talk mainly about the uh, the storming of the area 51 but i think his his ideas and his thoughts and the research that he's done is going to be really valuable uh so i think it's going to be a great discussion i can't wait yeah it'll be interesting to find out if any of us have plans of going out there um so okay all right let's uh let's turn our transmitting and recording equipment to the skies all right we are now, hang on here, there we go. We're now sending communication to Matt and awaiting contact with him. Here comes the signal in five, four, three. Matt, you there, Matt? Yes. Matt, how's it going, sir? It's going. Welcome uh, to the Jack Lantern Press podcast. Uh, last time I believe uh, we were on your show. Yes, you were. Yeah, before my brother came on the show. So that was a good time. And thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, Tom and I have been looking forward to chatting with you uh, about all this storming Area 51 buzz going on since it began uh, was at the end of June. Uh, I know we tried to get uh, get you on the podcast sooner, but this was the first we could talk. Um, but since then, the story definitely seems to be growing. Um and pretty interesting. I, what do you, do you think? It's like picking up speed, or or is it mellowing out? I would say it's kind of mellowed out, but it definitely picked up a lot of steam. You know, because there was people that never even heard of Area Fifty One that I've talked to that were talking about it. Yeah, I know for sure, for sure. Well, before we get into all that, um, we definitely wanted to get a little bit more about you and and what your brother are doing at uh, Nightmare Three Sixty Five. Um, you know, so you know, clearly, just going off of your podcast and your website and all that, you you definitely love the paranormal, the unexplainable, Halloween history. Have sure. have you always have you always been interested in that kind of thing? Is it or is it something you picked up as an adult? No, I've, I've always been into the paranormal and, you know, Halloween as far back as I can remember. You know, some of my earliest childhood memories are, you know, my mom decking out the house in Halloween and just loving it as a kid. I love the fall and I still love the fall. And I just, I don't, I, I couldn't pinpoint the exact time or day that it like all fell into place. You know, with Halloween, horror, you know, conspiracies. But I could just remember tons of things as a little kid that I remember, like the spy house. The spy house is really close to where Greg and I live in New Jersey. And I bugged my mom like every weekend to take us there. And we did a we did a weekday weird on the podcast. 
about the spy house. And it's just one of these local legends. It's an old house that dates back to the, the late 1600s, early 1700s, that is just riddled with ghost stories. It's been in the local newspapers. It's been on like the show in the 90s, sightings. Um, you name it, it, it's been out there. Weird New Jersey, one of the local magazines, it's just all weird things that happen in New Jersey. It was in there, and it's always like rerun every year with the spy house. So that really kind of, I, one of the earliest childhood memories of really loving history and the paranormal really sunk in with me. And so and you real did, quick, oh, so go real ahead. quick, Matt, uh, if anybody obviously watches your your podcast live on, on your YouTube channel, um, they will see that you, your studio is filled with all kinds of Halloween and monster sort of content. Is, is that a lot of things that you just recently got or is that a lot of like a collection of things that you had from your childhood and whatnot? So most of the stuff that people might see um, when they watch the show on our YouTube channel is stuff that I collected, I guess, recently and stuff that was given to me, you know, as an older adult. But there oh, is plenty. Yeah, but there is plenty of stuff behind the scenes in our studio that's cluttered. It's just stuff that I had since a little kid that I can remember. I was never big into nostalgic and I never saved a lot of things, which I'm really upset now. But yeah. my mom, when I was, I think, like six years old, she made this ceramic Halloween candy bowl that I still have that's in the studio. You know, she gave that to me recently. And so I have that. I have a bunch of old books. Like I was big into the Goosebump books when I was younger. So I had the whole two, you know, original set of 62 books in the studio as well. So there is a lot of mix of old and new. And I'm always, you know, when people see stuff or they're getting rid of their Halloween, you know, memorabilia or, you know, posters, they'll always send it my way. So nice. Now, did you did you always like uh, research things like uh, when you started getting into, you know, paranormal stuff and you were going to these places that were haunted? Did you always kind of like research? I mean, I know there wasn't the Internet then, but uh, did you go to the library and research this stuff or how did you seek this stuff out? Yeah, one of the big things that I mentioned before, we're New Jersey and it came out in the mid 90s. And it was one of the things that I've always turned to, to, you know, read local legends. And I've always been interested in learning more. I've always loved stories. And that kind of really what got me into this. But I would say more with technology, you know, I started researching more as I got older than, you know, when I was younger. I would just hear stories from people and I would talk to people. And then I would go out, you know, these certain local legends like the Spy House or you know, we have the Dempsey house that is by us to the devil tree, all these different lures, and then go out there and try to experience something for myself. But then obviously with the internet now, now I love going on and getting people's takes, watching videos. So I really do go down different rabbit holes every time we do, you know, weekday weirds, case files, podcasts, things like that. So much more recently than in the past. Yeah. So I mean, really though, like one of the one of the things I, I like about your show and, and when you do your research is that one, like you said, you're you're on the Internet looking stuff up and you kind of go in all these different directions and try to find as much information as you can. But some of the things that you've actually done, like you were saying, you've gone to the locations and actually seen it and then said, yeah, this is bogus or no, I really believe in this. So that's kind of cool that you you actually bring some of the experience of you actually going to the places to be able to see it and make opinions off of it, which is kind of neat. So I've always enjoyed that about the podcast. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, that's what we try to do. I mean, I've always been interested in this and it's something if I could see it for myself, it just adds to that story. How, how long I've been meaning to ask you is how long have you been doing nightmare 365? And it did start out as a podcast, right? Well, not really. It started out as a love for Halloween. And during October, I would always go to different haunted attractions and I would try to always either hit the number 31 or hit the number 13. I don't know. Just, you know, one of those things <laughs> nice. like, like a nerd would do. But every holiday, you know, like October, September, November, there would always be those haunted attractions that pop up all over the country. 
And I was like, oh man, I want to go to like different ones, not the same ones every year that my friends, you know, like, oh, let's go to the Casola Farms or let's go to Field of Terror. Like, you know, just same ones that would go year after year. They're fun, but I always wanted to find more. So I started, you know, doing research on the internet and trying to find all the different haunted attractions in my area. And I would know a bunch right off of the top of my head that would always be, you know, continuing year after year. And most of the big websites never had those on there. So I would go to, you know, New Jersey, try to find all the haunted attractions in every part of New Jersey. But then you would always get stuff from New York, Philadelphia. So it kind of annoyed me. So Nightmare really started out as a map. And on the map, I would just collect all these different haunted attractions. And I would place them in each state. And it was really just a, a list. And, and if you click and on New Jersey. A, yeah. This was a website, right? Yeah, it originally started as a website. And I always had like an idea to do a podcast in the back of my head. But I just, I guess, never ran with it because I'm like, ah, who wants to just listen to some one person like myself just talk? And so it didn't formulate as a podcast right away. But eventually, like real quick, it did. Because then I started meeting people going to different haunted attractions. And then they, you know, said, oh, man, like, that's cool. Like, I like what you do. You should, you know, talk about some of these places. So then I got the idea to, you know, try to find people like me to talk to about it. Because then I started getting into different podcasts. And I was looking up some, you know, cool ones in the paranormal. And I guess I was, I felt like unique because I do have a love for Halloween. And I always wanted to express that, but then also express the, you know, conspiracies, paranormal, and like love the show Unsolved Mysteries. So I, w- I wanted to bring that aspect to it as well. Yeah, and that's how you you, yeah. you kind of switched because uh, originally your podcast was um, where you in, like you said you interviewed people. I remember you had um, you had us on, and you had you had these guys that had a uh, drinking game with goosebumps. Oh yeah, yeah, or something like that. But then you switched that up somewhat. I get feels recently, and and you brought your brother on, and you guys started just doing shows where you would talk about paranormal things and Bigfoot and things like that. So wh- when did you do that? Yeah, so that was about like two years ago, and. I, it just got frustrating for me to try to reach out to certain people and, you know, who am I? I'm just taping and doing a podcast about, you know, I'm all over the place and trying to get people on the show when you email them or call them, they would always, you know, there's some people that would never contact you back or never respond and then would say like, yeah, I'm going to come on. And then like the last minute, like cancel. So it was very frustrating after a while. And I'm, I'm just like, you know what? I'd rather just hang out with like my brother or somebody else and just talk about like different stories. Cause that's when, when I get together with my friends, that's usually what happens anyway. You know, when we, even with my brother will be like, Oh, did you see that on the news? Or did you hear about this story? And that's kind of how it went. And originally I was like, maybe I should put out an ad and see if anybody would want to do this. But then I started talking to my brother and he would, he said, he was like, I'm, you know, I'm game for this. And it was a, it was a good way for me and him to just, kind of hang out because we don't really hang out as much as we used to. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's cool. It's kind of like how my brother and I started Jack-O-Lantern Press because he lives in another state. He lives in Idaho and I live in California. And we always talked on the phone. But when we started doing Jack-O-Lantern Press, it was like, uh, you know, we were able to almost be kids again, you know, hanging out in the the backyard or the front yard, you know, you know, doing the little things that we used to do, you know, creating things. We, you know, made like an amusement park when we were kids. And so this kind of brought us back to that, you know, doing. Well, yeah, even even just to talk about stuff was always, it always felt like our younger years. So, you know, just sitting there collaborating about, Hey, what are you going to do this year for Halloween? And then we'd sit there and go into like this whole big conversation. So, why not have a podcast? So it is all I have to say. Like I enjoy listening to you guys, and when you, you know, you talk about the past, I really like put myself in that position, like with my brother. And even though you guys are a little bit older than us, it's just awesome to hear some of those memories, and, and that's what I love. I love those kind of stories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. That's that's my favorite. I love hearing you know other people's you know tales and how you know how they're similar to ours and. 
um, it's just, yeah, it's just definitely cool storytelling and all that kind of thing. I, I enjoy. So anyway, so moving on, um, you did a, uh, a recent podcast on area 51 and, and hopefully everyone who's listening has an idea about what area 51 is. Um, but if not, I highly recommend they listen to, uh, to your podcast, um, uh, which just came out, uh, yesterday, Sunday, oh no, came out Sunday. Yeah, uh, but usually- there's Usually we drop them like Sunday night, Monday morning kind of thing, What like the podcast and the podcast are, you know, every every other week and then the weekday weirds that we have. Those are just short versions of our podcast come out every Wednesday. That's what we try to do. Sometimes it's a little difficult. And then you also still have your store. Do you have the that, you know, code to put in to get 15 percent off on your on your store? Yeah, we do. Just type in Eric, uh, the, the coupon code Area Fifty One, save fifteen percent at the Nightmare Shop. So you can get you know hoodies, long sleeves, uh, short sleeve tees, and stickers. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so so Area Fifty One. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, you know, I think people should, if they don't know much about Area Fifty One, definitely check out uh, the podcast that you guys just released. There's a lot of really great info, some some great perspectives from from you and your brother. Um, but I think you'd probably agree um, that it'd be beneficial for people to do other research on Area 51 because there's so much stuff Always. out there. Um, and some of it is really out there. Um, but some recent content that um, I know that the three of us were talking about, and I think um, kind of leads to where we're going to be going in this podcast, but the 2018 uh, Jeremy Corbell documentary, Bob Lazar, Area 51, and Flying Saucers, which is currently streaming on Netflix. And then the episode um, episode 1315 of the Joe Rogan Experience podcast called Bob Lazar and Jeremy Corbell. Um, that came out June 20th. Um, so we, like I said, we we talked a lot about these two uh, these two pieces um, and what was what was being talked about on there. But but Matt, can you just give a quick little recap? Um, just of Area 51, like the stuff that you researched, uh, if you can give like a quick little Cliff's Notes, uh, you know, kind of recap of Area 51 and what it is. You know, the earliest dates back into like the 1940s as a military base, which was in Indian Springs Air Force Auxiliary Field. It started out as, you know, just uh, two unpaved runways and then started, you know, World War II and then the Cold War and then the CIA started you know, saying we need to do these projects. Like one of the first ones was in 1955, the CIA established, you know, Groom, Groom Lake and did a project Aquatone to develop, you know, the YouTube spy plane. So they were developing different technology, as you would say, flying aircraft, stuff that we think of like drones today. They were doing this back in the 50s. And this is kind of what Area 51 was used for. And we found, you know, a lot of people speculate like where the name area 51 came from no one really knows or no one can give like a definitive answer but what we found was it was just a testing site also for the air force out there and there was different areas where they were you know test different bombs atomic bombs different weapons in different sections and area 51 happened to be a section that they owned out there so yeah it has such a rich history of, and then it also a very secretive history. And it wasn't until 2013, which is kind of recent, that the government actually came out and said there was an Area 51. So picture from the you know the 1940s all the way up until 2013, this was a secret base that they never talked about. And then it wasn't really until 1989 when, like you said, you know the the new documentary that came out on Bob Lazar came out in 1989 said in an interview with George Knapp on KLAS in uh, Las Vegas TV talking about he worked at Area 51 and he went under the pseudonym as Dennis in the interview. He talked about like the technology, there was alien technology that they were back engineering in this secret base, which was part of Area 51. So yeah, this, this place has riddled with conspiracy, mysteries, government cover-ups, anything you can think of out here, you know, Area 51, you know, is known for. It's also known as Paradise Ranch, Dreamland, and 
there's so much. You can go down so many different avenues in researching and talking about Area 51, and that's why I think it's a great topic. Yeah, and, and the the other thing too is, um, you know, I feel like the whole alien thing came up because of of what happened at Roswell, which was uh, I believe it was like 10 p.m. on July 2nd, 1947. I think, yeah. Well, people said they saw flying saucers, and then it was assumed that the government captured those saucers and brought them to what now we're calling Area 51. Um, so uh, it, it, is that kind of is that when it kind of started when people started assuming that UFOs were there or was it really the Bob Lazar thing that kicked it all off? From what I found, I mean, most people have always seen stuff that happened in Area 51. A lot of people, like you said, you know, make the connection with Roswell and, you know, and Area 51. But we never really found a lot of information on that. I mean, the information, you know, we don't really know, and that's a thing. Like we could only speculate on some of this stuff. Is you know, if you look in the Wright Patterson Air Force Base that was in Ohio, the wreckage from the Roswell crash went there supposedly, and then later on, when people started finding out about this base in Ohio, they shipped it to Area 51. That speculation, I don't know. I, I mean, I think really Bob Lazar put it more on the map and the mainstream from what we found with aliens and the alien connection, because I don't think people back then in, in like the forties, fifties and sixties really thought about this too much. And I don't think it was, I think I forget the gentleman's name and I don't have it in my notes and I don't think we talked about it on the podcast, but I, I think it was like in the seventies, it was really put on the map as being some type of, you know, alien base slash government based kind of thing. So I think it was more in the 70s and then Bob Lazar really tipped it over the edge with the interview, you know, in 1989. So I'm just I'm just curious, you know, with the whole Bob Lazar thing. And I know we've we've all talked about this quite heavily, but I mean, some of the stuff that Lazar brings up is, I think, pretty amazing. I mean, number one, element 115, that's a huge deal. Right. Another huge deal is the fact that the guy you know, did all this stuff on propulsion. Um, he was, he kind of went to MIT and, uh, even though we don't necessarily know if he actually really went to MIT, but I think he did. Um, but he was, he was more interested in the technology and the different things that they were doing within there. And they kind of broke it all down where he wasn't involved in everything that, that was going on, but just kind of like little, little sections of, of things that he was allowed to work. And I think you guys also talked a lot about that in, in the last podcast you guys did, but what's your thoughts on whether, whether Bob Lazar is credible or not? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> me, me and my brother had big discussions because the, the episode we did before area 51 was on Bob Lazar and it kind of got like the ball rolling with all this talk. And my brother really believes Bob Lazar I had more questions, you know, and at the end of the day, I told you guys too, and I kind of said it on the podcast, but I, I was leaning more towards not, not believing him. I really do believe him in a way, but I'm always somebody that's looking for concrete answers and evidence. And it's, it's tough, you know, I, I, I'm still debating. And when we talked about this, you know, when we had our chats off the air, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I, it's really tough for me to swallow just some evidence. I mean, I know government can rate and you know erase you at any moment. I feel like, and there's always cover-ups. And you made a good point, Tom, where you said they do compartmentalize. You know, a lot of the projects. You know, you would be giving, you know, like a spoon, and then you know you still need the knife and the fork, you know, to work on this whole project and make it all work. And you're only given one part of this bigger picture puzzle, as you would say. And, I, you know, I believe when he says that it's, it's true. But then I always have a hard time. Like, why doesn't he have one shred of evidence? Even if the government wiped it out, why doesn't he have something in his back pocket? But then like the element 115, I can't explain, you know, that's, yeah, that's there was that, crazy. It doesn't I mean, make even, sense. Even the 115, 
Yeah, the other thing that he brought up with the the hand technology where it, it does biometrics and scans you in, I mean, that didn't even exist until until he brought it up. And then all of a sudden, years later, boom, he's he's uh, you know, he sees that. I think that was on the Netflix documentary, too, where he was kind of like, yeah, this is exactly what we had. I mean, right. the, the kinds of things that he he brought up. I mean, it's just it's crazy. I mean, even I know that we were talking about before where. Um, you know, did he really have a degree, you know, at MIT? And there was some some people in the Netflix um, documentary where they were talking about how people saw him getting dropped off at at the school. He was also in certain clubs that were posted in a newspaper. I mean, yeah. those those sorts of things were were pretty relevant in my eyes. I mean, granted, I, I still think that somebody can erase you and the government can erase you. I mean, even all those people where they said they contacted the National Labs um, place there and, and they said, yeah, we have no record of them. Well, of course they don't have any record of them because if they say anything, the government's going to be all over them. So they're just going to back off and say, we have no record and we don't want to get involved in this because they don't want to mess with the government. And I think that, that that's what makes, to me, that's what makes it even more legit just because I know people fear that the government's mess, you know, they don't want the government messing with them. So oh, of course. These, these people are like backing off saying, no, no, no. I just don't see Bob Lazar making it up because uh, he didn't really get anything from it. I mean, in the documentary, he has a nice house and everything, and but he's a chemist. So um, he's probably making good money doing other things. I mean, the guy, the guy definitely sounds smart. He sounds like he's got his stuff together. And it's just hard for me to believe that he's gone all this time going through court when he did the whole prostitution thing, um, you know, that was his time to really come out and say, say, yeah, yeah, no, you know, I'm, you know, full of garbage here, but you know, he didn't, he's still stuck with the story and still sticking to his story to this day. Um, I don't know. Even the reporter, wasn't it, was that George Knapp? Yes. Even him, that guy is still, you know, on his side. He, he totally believes this guy. And, some of the in interesting evidence they brought up there, even in all your podcasts and everything else that we've done, it's just interesting. Um, but definitely, we're, well, yeah, I mean, when we know, did a poll about this, seventy percent believe Bob Bob Lazar. When we did a poll on our social media, so a lot of you know, my brother included, and he was somebody that believes Bob Lazar. And and I always said this: I always said if I had to trust the government or Bob Lazar, I'm trusting Bob Lazar. Yeah, you know, and. Even though I, I, you know, knock him in the podcast and I really, I always just wanted the story. He hasn't changed. I have to oh, give I him think, that. I don't think you were knocking him. I think you were trying to find one thing. And I, I, well, it's I just questions. It's yeah. questions that were not asked. And I think right. I, like, I, I think I'm like you, Matt, I feel that I want to believe and probably most of me believes him. But I just have a hard time grasping with the idea that no one has asked for tax returns or, you know, he doesn't have a scrap of any evidence. Or maybe he does, like your brother was saying. Maybe he does and just no one's asked about it. But I think the big thing is I think people should definitely listen um, to your podcast because you guys go back and forth on different what if scenarios. Um, and I think it really gives a good picture of, you know, the two sides of, of, you know, whether he's telling the truth or not. So that was, that was your episode 54 and it was titled, uh, Bob Lazar. I definitely recommend people listen to that. Um, and, and then obviously I think if you watch the, uh, the Bob Lazar documentary on Netflix and then even listen to the um, Joe Rogan podcast because you guys talk a lot about those two. So it'll be good to have that as a reference. Yeah, of course. But, I mean, they were just something that was recently, you know, published you know, as a podcast yeah. and then as a documentary. And I definitely think they're both worth listening to if you don't know anything about, you know, Area 51 or Bob Lazar himself. Yeah. And, and then just just for the record, I'm not like a huge fan of, of the documentary. Uh, I didn't love it, but the content is really good. Uh, but anyway, that's just wanted to put that out there. No, I got but, you. Yeah, I wanted more Bob Lazar and less Jeremy yeah. Corbell. <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, anyway, so moving on. So so on June 27th of this year, a Facebook page called Storm Area 51, They Can't Stop All of Us, went up. And it in- invited anyone to come together between 3 and 6 a.m. on Friday, September 20th, 2019, at the Alien 50, or I'm sorry, at the Area 51 Alien Center tourist attraction to coordinate an entry into Area 51. And so this thing just blew up online um you know there were all kinds of memes going around and posts and videos um so anyway you can find that facebook page at least it's still up as we speak it's called storm area 51 they can't stop all of us or you can go to their website which is stormarea 51.us there's even they they have crazy yeah i mean they I was just going to say the same thing you were just going to say mike and that that was this has got gone way out of this out of control i mean it's on on the news like you were just going to say merchandise you could buy a a t-shirt on amazon saying storm area 51 for i i don't even know how much it is but you could buy merchandise uh i mean people are going crazy on on this there's there's spotify playlists area you know it's like storm area 51 playlist if you type that in or area 51 raid there's like tons of playlists and what people are going to play as they storm the place <laughs> but uh, it's, um, it's ridiculous yeah so anyway so what are what are your thoughts on this whole thing matt oh me and my brother love it i we i even you know commented as interested in going you know to this event and it's crazy how much it did blow up in like the news the mainstream media i wish i can get any of our stuff to do the same thing as you know what this guy did just as a joke but I would love to just see, you know, I guess a festival or something held out there, even if it is like every September 20th and go out there and just because realistically, if I look at it, you know, from whatever gate you go into, it's going to be like, you know, 12 plus miles, even 20 miles in some, you know, certain areas to get in there. So if we're, you know, they're just storming and running. I mean, if, even if you're a marathon runner, it's going to take you like two hours to get to like the front door, wherever the front door is. So I think they have so, as much time. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I, I, I've been, you know, I'm a heavy Reddit user and they have a, a subreddit called Area 51 Raid. And there's like 7.5 thousand members on there. And there's you should see some of the stuff on here. I mean, most of it is jokes. Most of it is people just just kind of making fun of things and talking about you know tv shows and and uh and that kind of thing but some people are like dead serious i mean there's a there's a post on here from a guy talking about uh what's his name matt uh wau 13 days ago he's talking about protection against non-lethal force and he goes into like this whole thing about something called vmads which is a vehicle mounted aerial denial system often referred to as a heat ray that uses a 95, he said hertz, but it's really gigahertz, to yeah. heat, and it targets the skin at like 110 degrees Fahrenheit. And he's talking about how they're going to use this and that the effective solution to protect yourself against this is to uh, is aluminum foil and that he wants to have a mandatory raid uniform that's a full body suit. Uh, it's made from aluminum foil to protect against electromagnetic warfare. I mean, that, that's that's how crazy these people are going into into this type of of information. I mean, that they're going that nuts. Somebody, another guy, uh, he said, "Hey, serious raiders, uh, items you're going to need." And he starts listing off all these essentials: water, food, transportation, med kits. For five people, pocket knife, flashlight, good quality shoes for rough terrain. He's talking about uh, different things like uh, you're probably going to need bulletproof vests, gas masks, non-lethal weapons, tasers, pepper spray. And then he he goes into like, you know, if you're going to need transportation, you should probably carpool to get more people there. Learn CPR. It's unbelievable. Yeah, there was one thing that I saw where this guy had like a workout where he was training people on his YouTube 
video on on what things that he's you're going to need to learn to to be able to to storm area 51 so he had like jumping exercises running exercise he did like a whole video. i mean again it was for humor but it was it was pretty funny but but um i wanted to play a little a little clip from uh inside edition they did a little piece on uh on the kid that actually came up with the the facebook's uh the facebook page so uh here it is he's the 20 year old college student behind the plan to storm area 51. i figured that the fbi would be knocking on my door right about now but nobody has shown up nobody's tried to contact me area 51 is the top secret Air Force Base long associated in the public mind with extraterrestrials and UFOs. How do you get funding for something like this? It lies deep in the desert, 150 miles from Las Vegas. It bristles with signs warning the curious to keep out. Last month, Matty Roberts launched a Facebook page he called Storm Area 51. Let's see them aliens, it says. They can't stop all of us. Now three million people have signed up to storm the base. The Air Force is taking it seriously and issued this warning. The U.S. Air Force always stands ready to protect America and its assets. Now, Maddie says he was just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want anybody to actually get hurt with this. It was just, uh, it, it started out as just from a pure stroke of imagination. It's just meant to be funny. I want to do something cool out there now that we have a bunch of people, but I don't want anybody to get hurt. The Facebook page advises people if we Naruto run, we can move faster than their bullets. That's a reference to a Japanese anime character who dodges bullets by running like this. Maddie even demonstrated. The late night comics are having a field day. The event is called Storm Area 51. They can't stop all of us. <laughs> Maybe not, but they can stop some of you. And... Anyway, so uh, so that was from Inside Edition, um, and what I wanted to uh, to to mention, um, I noticed that that Facebook page was created on June twenty seventh, and, and uh, did it? Did anyone remember when the Joe Rogan podcast on Bob Lazar posted? No, I don't. I, I don't remember I don't. The exact date. June <laughs> June twenty June twentieth. So seven days later, this Maddie Roberts kid post this page and it just makes me wonder you know that the jeremy corbell documentary was it came out in uh, 2018 i believe and then i guess joe rogan was saying he was trying to get bob lazar on his podcast for a long time so he eventually gets him on june 20th the thing becomes huge um people listen to that then maybe they jump to netflix they check out that documentary and then june 27th this kid posts this thing and all of a sudden the thing blows up I and mean, it seems like a perfect storm um and that to me seemed like that's what what kicked the whole thing off i mean it, it definitely could be that 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 kicked it off i don't i don't know what his what his uh, whole reason for doing it. I know it was a joke, but yeah, why Why did he even want to do it as a joke? It could have been because he was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast or that Netflix deal. But still, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think it, it makes sense. I mean, this kid probably saw the documentary, probably listens to Joe Rogan and then just had, you know, talking to some friends and said, hey, let's just do this. I think it'd be just a funny, you know, thing to see how many people would actually get behind it. Or, you know, he follows this, you know, reddits and subreddits like like I do. You said you do, Tom. I'm, I follow the Area 51, I guess they, you know, on Reddit, and they just posted a thing recently, too. Number one rule, no posting relating to the reading of Area 51. <laughs> Million <laughs> yeah. man marches, all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I think it all probably was, you know, a combination of stuff that's been on TV recently, too. There's been a lot of stuff on the news just about alien sightings, government admitting that there's, you know, um, UFO sightings with military. So I, I really think it might have all snowballed into one and then it, it's just going to keep on going. And I love it. So here's here's my here's my take on this whole thing. I mean, obviously, people, I don't know if they're going to show up on September. What is it? September 20th that everybody's going to go do this. But I mean, let's let's just really look at the the realistic approach here. Let's say the government decides to, you know, introduce us to all of this stuff. I mean, what really is the government holding back? I mean, what's the point? Even if we knew that there were 
the alien technology or, or we knew that the aliens exist. Like, what, what are people going to do? I mean, no, nobody can do anything about it. We're still sitting here on Earth. Um, it's just it might cause a little mass hysteria of people going crazy. And but at least we would know. Well, like, here's what, the what would, what's the here, point? Here's the thing that I was thinking. So let's say no one. I mean, I don't think I personally don't think anyone's going to try and and storm Area 51 and try and get in. No one's going to get themselves shot. Um, I, no one's even going to get in. Like you were saying, Matt, you're going to have to run like two miles to get in there. But what I was thinking was, you know, with all of this becoming such a huge social media thing and it's getting on the news, people are talking about it. Even the government was responding to it. It seems like would, wouldn't it be cool if people did show up, even if it was a peaceful kind of thing, and they just create some sort of conversation. Maybe they even pressure the government, you know, to come clean, to open their doors and tell us what's really going on at Area 51. I mean, do you, do you think that that would be a possibility, Matt? I don't think they ever would. And <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, they had so many opportunities to, like, declassify a lot of the information, which they haven't. And I mean, I think like one of the big questions, like you said, like why, like, you know, how would it change things? I think the government has technology, whether it's, you know, their own, whether it's from other countries and even, you know, like Bob Lazard said, from out of this world that they want just for themselves so they could use it so they could understand it and they can kind of control a little bit of the future that they see might be coming down the line. But so, do you think at do you even think at this point that Area 51 actually has that stuff there with how big it's become? I mean, I can't imagine the government being like, hey, you know what? Let's use this as a huge diversion, move everything the hell out of here and put it somewhere else and and then just keep this as a tight facility. I mean, the thing is, is that if let's say half a million people or however many it, it's is up to now. Let's say all these people come up there and and just stand there and start yelling and do ma massive protests and whatnot. And uh, what what is what is really the press is going to have a field day on that. It's going to put pressure on on the government to figure out how they're going to address it. And do you honestly think that if people really did rate it, let's say. Let's let's even say a quarter of a million people, two hundred fifty thousand people, run, and and go on and trespass. You honestly think the government is going to start bombing two hundred fifty thousand people and kill? It'd be a huge massacre of their own people. We would look like such smucks, uh, uh, you know, if if our own government is killing us to keep some sort of secret. I, that's why I think it if. If people do raid, the government's going to have to say something. They're going to have to address something. I don't think people are going to do it. I think there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of kids that are posting things. I think the majority of the people are probably underage that are even signed up for this group. I think you do have some serious people. But for the most part, I think I think that if people just show up and, and you know make a big fuss about it and protest, and put a little pressure on the government, they may have to address it. I don't know. No. I don't know. I mean, I hope you're right, but I, you know, they had a, an opportunity in the 90s to address it. And I guess it didn't get as much play as this just because there wasn't social media like there is now. But we pointed to a case in our recent podcast about Robert Frost. He was an employee that actually worked at Area 51 and you know, there was a case and a lawyer, John Turley, that was representative people from Area 51. And a lot of them were Jane and John Doe's, um, besides this Robert Frost, who ended up dying of like cancer and, and different chemicals that he was exposed to. And the government never released any of that information. They didn't care that he was dying. So I understand the aspect of, I think the American government or whoever this organization is inside the government you know, whether it's a black ops program or, you know, a faction of the CIA, FBI or the government itself, I think they whatever they have, they want to hold on to pretty tightly. That's why we never find out information. A lot of things swept under the rugs, just like this 
And that was one of the things that I wanted to get across in our podcast and our show about Area 51 is, yes, there's a lot of aliens and um, a lot of secret government projects that are, are always right there at the top when you speak of Area 51. But there's a lot of people that actually were affected that actually did come out and say, like, look, we don't want to, you know, give anybody information about Area 51. We just want to know, like, some of the stuff that's going on here. What is it? And there was a lot of dangerous chemicals that are still not oh, known yeah. or how they're using it at Area 51. So Yeah, I do they, remember that part in about the Bill Clinton uh, uh, yeah, oh, document yeah. or something that he signed and to say that whatever happens on, on that site uh, you know, is, could be disclosed and nobody needs to even know about it. They don't even have to tell anybody. I mean, that's it's, ridiculous. It's kind of crazy because, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, that's the reason for the cover-up. It's like, you know, there maybe, I mean, it was used as a test site or maybe still is, but it's like, right. you know, what are they doing? They're testing lethal chemicals, experimenting on people, you know, doing things that we just, you know, they think we shouldn't know about because, you know, it's probably illegal or not right or inhumane or something. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it would make that would make sense. I mean, do you, do you think that there are aliens, you know, bodies in there or UFOs? Like, what's your personal opinion on, you know, based on the research that you've done? I like it. I always come back to the X-File phrase, you know, I want to believe and my, I always talked about this theory with my brother, and I always said, you know, if there was aliens, I don't know if they would come here in a spaceship, you know, and like explore. Because most of the time, if you think about how we explore space, it's with drones. So I always, what my theory was for a long time was that alien spacecraft that we see, yes, they're controlled by some type of alien being somewhere, but really it's like drones that are sent here. And I don't know, because aliens always look like us. And to me, I always think it's just a human version of, you know, how we see or how we may see ourselves in the future. But I, I just think like what whatever they have, it could be an alien aircraft, but I don't know if there's any bodies there. But no, see, I, I, I'm I'm with you right there on that, Matt, because the funny part is, and I don't know if this was on the Joe Rogan podcast, but it, it made me start thinking too. But look look how far our artificial intelligence is going. Look how far our robotics stuff just within our own our own um, uh, world is going. I mean, you're telling me right now that if we did discover these aliens, I think it's like a, an artificial intelligence in a sort of bio type body. That's a robot yeah. because they haven't even come. To, they haven't even come back to even get them if that's the case. And maybe they right. have. I don't know. But I mean, you're going to tell me that that they're going to send these couple of aliens. Let's say there's nine ships, as Bob Lazar was talking about. And in there they had nine people. You're going to tell me that they're going to let nine people die and let us experiment on them and cut them open and all this stuff. I mean, they probably don't even care it's some, you know, organism that they've created and made it look kind of like ours so that we didn't really learn anything about them. And they sent it here and it could just be totally fake. And we're making this big thing into it. I mean, if something actually happened, that's one theory that you could go down the road of. These They might not even be actual living organisms. It could just be a total makeup robot. So I don't know. So here's here's a here's a what if that I have for for both of you guys. Um, so what do you think would happen if let's just say this this uh, raid thing happens? Um, what what do you think would happen if the government just said, okay, we're going to open our doors, let everyone in? You know, we we all go in, we discover UFOs. There's alien carcasses encased in water filled tubes. There's lethal chemicals stored on wall-to-wall -wall shelves there's there's like portals and you know leading to other dimensions and other time periods and and what if they just you know they charge less than disneyland's 130 dollar one day one park pass yeah. to, you know <laughs> what what do you think would happen if you know we went and we discovered aliens like what would happen to the world if that was proven yeah i think personally a lot of people's beliefs are going to be shook a little bit, you know, just from religious aspects, 
Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that would be like, finally, I, I, we knew it, you know, and like feel vindicated for it. And I'm, I'm sure there's going to be people like that don't really care and just go on with their normal lives. I Do you mean, think it'd just, be like a, like a Hollywood movie and people would like panic raid like stores, violent acts. Yeah. Things like that. I'm sure. The oh, I think, always, I think, yeah, I think that, I think the people would freak out. I think that, that you would have a lot of craziness for probably about a year um, of just people doing stupid stuff. I think not only people doing, doing dumb things, but um, you know, people trying to, uh, you know, call out the government for more things that they're doing um, because it would be a huge thing that they've, they've kept under a secret, you know, deal for a long time. And I, I just think people would go crazy, but I think it would mellow out. And then yeah. I think we would actually start getting stuff done. I think our technology would move faster. Can you imagine if everything that Bob Lazar said about the technology that he was talking about, that reactor, if Element 115 came out, and you started getting people, other people with different mindsets, everybody looking at one thing, they would figure stuff out so fast. I mean, think about, think about the technology of things that come out. I mean, I, I, I'm a gadget freak. When you start doing like open source, for instance, and you start yeah. getting all these people throwing their two cents in, all of a sudden they're like coming up with new things, new ways of doing stuff, and, and new technology becomes better because of, of getting more people involved and having people with different mindsets build on it. It's huge. So I think that if they, if they, they, they should do themselves a favor – and release the information so that we could actually do something with it. Because obviously they're not making any damn progress. I, yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, Bob Lazar did say that. You know, he did say, if, you know, it was kind of open and they let everybody like hands on. It would have probably been a lot more productive. But do you think sometimes, that, you know, like I was just thinking when you were, you were saying that, do you think they might do that already as just like a different form you know, they have this technology or, you know, like this open source. And I have a buddies, a lot of buddies that work on open source and they love playing around with that and like learning themselves. But what if like the government actually kind of does that on just like a smaller scale? They oh, just yes. put down information yep. and they say like, oh, you know, go see what what can be done with it. And they're it's like, kind oh, of like some- Ernest Klein's Armada. I don't know if you ever read that book, but no. Ernest Klein wrote a book. I mean, Ready Player One is obviously one of his books, but Armada was basically people, they created a, a, a space video game uh, and they had all these people playing the video game to try to destroy this alien force. Uh, and of course, they would always lose to the alien force because the whole point of it was trying to figure out strategy on how to beat it. And so the better you got at trying to beat the, this alien force, they would then come and get you, hire you, bring you in and say, hey, we noticed your strategy. All that stuff that you were doing on that video game, it's real. And now we need to, we need you to help us come up with like a better strategy. So he had like this, this cool book. I definitely recommend people reading it. Um, if you haven't read it, Matt, you definitely should read it. It's really cool. Um, it's, it but, sounds like it. Yeah, it yeah, sounds just like he's on the right track. Just don't compare it to Ready Player One. I think that was the problem is everyone wanted it to be another Ready Player One, and it was just not Ready Player One. Got yeah, I, I think both of those books are awesome. They're one of my favorite books. So I definitely recommend those books by Ernest Klein for sure. But I but think, I that, I think oh. that, that, that that's kind of the concept, though, that you have – If it, you could be right, Matt, where they already have things out there that people are – you know, banging away on and, and doing stuff and they're collecting all kinds of information. That's what big data is nowadays where they're just grabbing chunks of data from all sorts of places and all sorts of things and just having people study it and figuring out patterns and whatnot. It's nuts. I mean, I, I like the idea of having even more people being able to access this stuff and figure it out. I mean, it does get me excited. I'm really starting to think that I'm going to go to to storm area 51 but I I have one big last question for you Matt and that is um if a group of people are really going to storm area 51 and they're going to get in what are they going to have to do to do it oh wow yeah I I just think you need a lot more numbers because then I yeah I just think 
you need certain type of vehicles to get you through and, and get you in there quicker than just like, cause when I think of like storming something, I just feel like it's like a Braveheart thing and they're all just like running. But I, I think you need certain type of weapons and somebody that's, you know, really smart and could hack into, you know, the base out there. I just, as much as <laughs> I would like to see it happen, I, I don't know. I just, I don't see it. They said in one of, one of the things on Reddit, they said, you got to have big guns to blow up a whole bunch of stuff. And then you need to bring the group anonymous out, which is the hacking group to go up and hack into the facility to get yes. you in the, in the facility. Uh, and then you need to have, you know, like your Navy seals or something, which obviously is our government, but whoever that maybe is a retired one, which obviously probably isn't going to go against the government, but you need to have people, some sort of special force that once they get in, I'm sure they got all kinds of stuff in there and probably layer after layer after layer of doors that you would have to try to break through. I mean, I think it's impossible. Right. But I mean, I think it's impossible to get in there. I think a lot of people, if they do it, they're going to get hurt. People are probably going to die. But I I just think the government's going to look really retarded if they're killing a lot of people. When you start getting up to more people that, you know, if they killed more people than 9-11, what, what, what does that show? Right. I no, mean, I, I, I totally it's agree crazy. with you. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Well, you know, I wanted to uh, to throw it out to anyone listening. Uh, if you guys have any ideas of, uh, you know, any plans of going to the, the storm Area 51 or ideas that you have, um, on uh, September 20th. We definitely would love to hear from you and uh, you can share your thoughts with us in an email to jackolanternpress at gmail.com. Again, that's jackolanternpress at gmail.com. And uh, don't forget to uh, to check out our new season of stories on jacklanternpress.com. Uh, it's our fifth season of stories and uh, there you can also get our new book, uh, Transylvania Traveler. But, uh, Matt, I just wanted to say thanks again for joining us. Um, this was fun. Um, and hopefully you got to, uh, you know, have some fun as well. I did. I, I enjoyed talking to you both. And thank you for having me on and, and just getting to talk about, you know, what we do here at Nightmare 365 and keep up the great work, guys. Yeah, you do the yeah, same. Yeah, you do the same. Yep. yep. And so uh, to take us out of this episode, uh, what we like to do here is uh, play a track from uh, some Halloween soundtrack that we had as kids. And so this one is from a record that we had. Um, it's Disneyland Records 1964 classic, Chilling Thrilling Sounds of the Haunted House. And uh, this vignette um, is, uh, is called Martian Monster. So uh, with that, have a good night. You have been selected as the first astronaut to explore the planet Mars. The countdown is progressing, and your spaceship is about to blast off on its voyage of discovery. Because of the incredible speed of your rocket, your trip is short. lands on the surface of Mars, you are greeted by a hungry welcoming committee. Delicious. I wonder what it was. Woo, woo, woo.